Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and today I get to head out to Newmarket, Ontario, in my own home country, and I get to interview Dr. Laura Foster, and she is a Palmer West grad. She graduated in 1996. She has two kids, a wonderful practice, has uh, amazing practice, has associates, does a side hustle, has a bunch of different little retreats she, she does, and I'm really excited to kind of dive into her stories. So, Dr. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dr. Don. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, we were just talking before the, before the show, talking about how it's funny how we can know people. We think we know them because of Facebook, and then we realize we haven't even actually met, but we've been around so many of the same people that it's, uh, it's hilarious. So one day we will meet, right? We will meet somewhere. <laughs> Probably sooner than we even think. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now that we've put the intention out there, it's going to be like, bang. So um, like I'd like to do with all my uh, guests, like how did you get into this crazy profession called chiropractic in the very first place? How did you even hear about it? You know, I, I came to it actually like a lot of people come to chiropractic. I was a chiropractic patient. So yeah. when I was in university and I thought I was going to be an MD, like, you know, I'm sure it's not a new story for a lot of people before yeah. I, before I even realized what that all meant, I just knew that I wanted to help people. And thankfully for me in lugging all my books around campus and being a rower uh, for the university, I hurt myself, you know, that gradual hurt myself. So I ended up in a chiropractic office. Thank you to a very serendipitous meeting with somebody and right then, right there, I knew that I had hit something special, uh, and it took me a few months to really dive into it, but uh, it was unlike any experience I'd had before, for sure. I mean, I got better. That was, that was just plain and simple, but I knew, I knew that it was um, something that keyed in with something in me, and I leaned right into it, uh, and it, really, that's just how I got going on it. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, you started off going in, um, you know, thinking it was chiropractic is for, you know, injuries. And, and did you kind of realize, was that your realization right away that it's more than just like back pain and neck pain, like right off the bat? Or did, did you just, was it the way you responded to the adjustment that you said, Hey, there's something bigger here? Or, or was it just amazing that it got rid of that injury? Well, here's the side story was at the same time that I was doing this, I was also volunteering at the hospital to get my, you know, credits and my volunteer hours. Right. And, you know, we've all been in a hospital setting. It's not the most beautiful setting. Um, it's easy to be passed over. Uh, I felt like a number. Uh, and even in my experience there, it feels the opposite of healing. I'm not saying people don't get better at a hospital, right. but we all know that experience. And yet on the other side, I got to walk into this office. They called me by name. I think someone hugged me. I saw <laughs> joy. Um, I did get better. I mean, I was 19 years old. It wasn't, it wasn't difficult after, you know, a course of care to really start to notice the benefit. It was everything. It was, it was the approach. It was the philosophy. And thankfully, I had somehow ended up in an office where he was higher up in the, in sort of the administration of chiropractic in British Columbia, because I grew up in British Columbia. Mm. Um, and he was nice enough to grab hold of me. Like he saw my interest 
And he literally shuttled me out the door to five or six of his Cairo friends. And I got to have this sort of moving meditation of all the different ways that people can practice. And wow. it was pretty instrumental. I knew, I knew that there was a place for me, although I didn't want to practice exactly how that particular initial doctor practice, I could see that there was this variance in how it could look. And I was very interested in that. That's cool. And so did you like decide right then and said, that's it. And then you're going to go, or did, did it take a little while for it to brew in your soul? <laughs> I don't know. It was 90 days long. <laughs> yeah, wow. 90 days. That's pretty good turnaround. Wow. <laughs> well, I was, I was actually, you know, finishing up my, my undergrad degree and it was time to kind of move on to the next thing. And instead of preparing to write an MCAT, I, you know, prepared myself to go to school in the United States. Uh, and I used the opinion and mentorship of those Kairos that I had come across and ended up at Palmer West. So, you know, the, it was a quick turnaround for me, but I'm like that when I know something, I just make the decision and I go for it. I don't, I don't sit there with a lot of, you know, pros and cons and those kinds of things. It very much is this feels right. And, and I'm going to do it. And that's what I did. That's cool. And so you, uh, you went down and so did you, did you, did you like start classing classes within those nine days? Like, is that how fast it turned around? Cause yeah, are they, they quarters or trimesters? And yeah. So they have quarter systems at Palmer West. I started in the summer quarter. Uh, so it would have been July and I graduated in, I guess, April, of course. And I probably had six or eight months in there. It felt quick to me, you know, at that time. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I got my parents to drop me off down there. They, you know, tossed me out the door at Palmer West and I started school a couple days later. It was such an incredible experience. Um, for one, I was in California. I mean, that's oh, not yeah. bad. That was and, a little bit nicer than Iowa when I was <laughs> Palmer. <laughs> well, believe me, they told me to go to Palmer and I yeah. was like, Palmer and Davenport or Palmer and San Jose. Yeah. <laughs> I had a different thinking <laughs> process at the time. So that's, that's how I ended up there. But it was relatively quick. And then, as you know, once you start into school, it's just pedal to the metal for like, you know, the four years that you're there. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're in school, um, how was that for you? Like, was, uh, was there any change of paradigm or because, you know, a lot of people will go in and, and like I said, you, you think like chiropractic is a little bit more about like pain management or something like that. And, and, and were you exposed to more of the, that holistic or that neural, neural component of chiropractic? in school or did that happen a little bit after? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I mean, it wasn't exactly last year. So let me think. Um, I'm <laughs> certain, I am certain that my paradigm changed and I'm trying to think of whether or not it was really in school. I don't know that I had pigeonholed as to what chiropractic was, but I do remember that I was very clear it was about the nervous system. I think once I got to school and I got to the busyness of learning all the academia of chiropractic, yeah. I maybe forgot some of those components, totally. but I did have, I did have the foundation that it was about the nervous system, which is a crazy thing to say to me now, because I, I feel like I've never practiced without it being about the nervous system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, you just have so many things and minutia that you have to learn. I tried to feel connected to the bigger picture by doing a ton of seminars and programs, going to hear speakers and, just, you know, traveling around. I hadn't lived in the United States before. There's so much at your fingertips there. And I, I really spent a lot of my free time trying to dive into as much extra stuff as I could. That's for sure. Well, that's such good, good advice because there are a lot of students that listen to this podcast around the world and they, and they might be in a little bit more of a mechanistic school and, and they might be kind of frustrated because what they thought chiropractic was going into school wasn't really what's being taught. So, so is that kind of some advice that you'd give to, to those students like to try to get out to many 
as they could? 100%. I mean, you can, there are so many mentors in chiropractic. And when we're, when we're in the busyness of school or we're in the busyness of practice, we think we're alone. Um, and the reality is there are many, many people that are willing to link arms with us. And I think it's really important to not just go to seminars and programs, but also just go meet chiropractors. Go yeah. find people who resonate with you. Listen to their messages. Be willing to um, shift the way you think about chiropractic as you're learning more about chiropractic. Right? Instead of thinking, I know what it is, and now I'm going to collect a bunch of information that tells me exactly what I already think it is. It's right. challenging, right? Like we all do that, right? Yeah. But it's challenging. But if you can allow yourself to be uh, more aware and just be okay with being not wrong, but just open to a new way of thinking, you know, you learn as much from the stuff that doesn't resonate with you as you do from the stuff that does, right? So it's yeah. okay to expose yourself to a whole bunch of different stuff and you'll know what lands for you. That's my advice on that. That's cool. Now, now you graduate in, uh, in 96 and then you, uh, you went back, right? Did you go back for a couple of years to BC? Is that was the first stop? No, actually, I, um, I jumped up to Seattle, Washington and I practiced on Bainbridge Island, which is directly across from downtown Seattle for three years. Oh. Um, very, fairly large, uh, higher volume practice in, on Bainbridge Island. Uh, what was awesome about it was the chiropractors there were already using the substation, like the Insight 7000, the technology yeah. uh, that, that at the time was Chris Kent and Dr. Gintempo. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I, jumped into a practice that was within a big health center, like a gym and a functional training. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome because there was a lot of people walking just outside the front door of my practice within the building. And it gave me a really good experience of, again, what do I want to do and what don't I want to do? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what would have been some of the things that you, uh, that you learned at that? at that position. I'm sure that, that was an associate position. I'm, I'm, I take yeah. It. yeah. I was lucky enough to be hired as an associate. Um, the chiropractors I worked for were very subluxation based, very neural based, very good communicators. Oh my gosh. I thought that when I graduated, you know, magna cum laude, yeah. <laughs> some air quotes there, um, totally. <laughs> which, by the way, is an awesome thing. I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing, but I believed I was ready to go. And what I didn't quite realize is I was ready to go and start to learn how to be a chiropractor. Right. Um, and thankfully, I ended up in an office where they were so willing to invest in me. Um, and it was like a big piece of humble pie every single day. And uh, like kind of is still actually. Yeah, totally. 23 years later. But yeah. um, <laughs> it, was, it was a great experience for me. Now, what I also learned, and this is you know where I ended up in a bit of a a fall uh, about three years in, not a literal fall, but a tumble, is that it was a ridiculous pace. It was 12 hours a day, six days a week. Wow. I was adjusting hundreds and hundreds of people, which how blessed am I? Um, it really helped push my skill set ahead, my communication ahead, but my body just wasn't ready for it. And I just didn't know how to balance it all out. It was it was, it was challenging and it really wasn't coming from the chiropractors themselves. I mean, one of the chiropractors had got injured. She had had an accident. I took on her practice. Plus I was building my own practice. Um, it was really net positive, but it was super hard yeah. uh, and incredibly challenging at the same time. 
Totally. And I think I've, I've practiced lots of years hurt. And, uh, and that's the thing I was just, I was just talking with a friend of mine, Peter Kevorkian about that. Like when you're in practice a certain amount of time and you're seeing a, a good volume of people through that whole time, it's kind of like you're a pro athlete. So I kind of joke around and they say sometimes like on the weekend, you have a nice pack here or you're like doing this or, or <laughs> you're kind of fixing yourself up because it is, it is a pretty um, grueling physically. Um, you, you do. And I mean, I'm, there's a piece of advice for anyone, which is, <laughs> you know, if you want to give well to the, your practice members, you have to give well to yourself, right? I oh mean, my. get adjusted, of course, which sounds silly to say, but I find, you know, the advice yeah. we give our practice members is different than the advice we're taking ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I am, I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, when I, when I sort of, everything fell for me and I switched gears about three years in it was such a weird place to be so early in practice and recognize that I was breaking myself down mentally and I was breaking myself down physically. And I knew right then and there that if I ever wanted to have a practice that I could look back on and be 20 plus years, there was no, there was just no way that I could do what I was doing. No. And it wasn't really just about the volume, by the way, it was about, it was about the time and it was how I was fueling myself. My whole like, working hard it's one of my base core foundations but there's a difference between working hard and working smart i just i was leaking energy all over the place i didn't recognize how to eat properly for myself i didn't know how to train to keep myself healthy i didn't know how to create not the idea of balance because that's just like don't chase that but not the idea of balance but the idea of self-care and you know, once I started to recognize that and I understood the idea of congruency, then when I was busy, it wasn't draining. Not that I don't ever get tired, but it's not the same thing as it was before. Oh, 100%. And even just for me, like just sleep, like not realizing how much sleep is ideal for me. <laughs> because in the past, you'd just be able to be like, oh, well, I got a few extra hours less of sleep at night. Not a big deal. Yeah. But when you're, when, you're, when you're in that full-on pro-athlete mode, that does make a big difference. <laughs> that rest, rest time is huge. <laughs> I, tra- I track my sleep every single day. I act like a toddler for myself. I'm like, oh, time to put myself to bed. And yeah. then, it's, you know, then I'm like, oh, I missed the window. Now I can't fall asleep. Like, I, it's embarrassing <laughs> how much energy I put into getting the right amount of sleep, you know, That's from the hilarious. bed, the sheets, the temperature. Uh, yeah. It's like a spreadsheet on its own. But I do agree. Those are the little things that make mm-hmm. such a big difference in how you show up in your practice. Like people will say, well, how do you grow your practice? I'm like, you grow your practice one person at a time. It's mm-hmm. one appointment at a time, it's one conversation at a time, it's everything you do in your practice and it's all the things you do outside your practice. But I really feel it's so much of how you grow yourself, right? Great. It's just, totally. your, your practice grows at the same level that you grow who you are. And I almost feel like a lot of times that's the piece that we forget is that we have to take care of us, not just the vessel, but, but the person behind the vessel. And that's probably where I have received the greatest amount of kickback into my practice, right? Just, just being more of me, like figuring out what I need and whether it's sleep or whether it's good food or having someone come help me clean my house. I don't know, whatever it is for you, that's such yeah. an important part of it. Now, when you went to, uh, so you practiced for three years outside yeah. of Seattle and, then, and then, you, then you came to Canada, right? Yeah, I, um, I was lucky enough to be sent to Total Solution in my third year of practice. So that's, as for listeners who don't know, that was Chiro- uh, Chiropractic Leadership Alliance program in the Colorado Rockies. I've been three times. I highly suggest it. Highly recommend it. 
Um, and it's now put on by, as we know, David Fletcher, and yeah. he, you need to be in the same room as him. Um, and so I was able to go to that program in my third year of practice. Now, I had already been training with Chiropractic Leadership Alliance at the time in a program they used to have, but this was a big deal for me. The thing that happened when I went, though, is, you know, it was a three or four day, or it is a three or four day boot camp where I kind of met myself. <laughs> I went in a circle and I came back and I was standing in front of myself and all this crazy out of alignment work that I had been doing at this practice where I was so lucky to have all these other experiences. It was also the thing that was preventing me from getting to where I needed to go. And, you know, going to Total Solution completely annihilated what I was doing. I just couldn't continue doing the practice that I was doing and the way that I was doing. I came back, I had the discussion with the people I worked with. They understood. They said we were going to shift things. One month later, it wasn't happening. So I, I literally, this is just so me. You talk about how long it took me to get to school. Days. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. It took me about three days to realize now. I'm sure I gave my proper notice, but I'm just saying I, yeah. I was just like, I can't. I need to shift something about this. And yeah. I just stopped practice. I took six months off. And by the way, I couldn't afford it. Um, but I just did because sometimes you just know that, you know, and I knew that what I needed to do next wasn't going to show up if I sat there staring at the thing that wasn't working for me. Right. You almost had to create space. It's a big thing for me. I really, I really get that space is just so important. You know, the information can be there and when you're in it, you just can't always hear it. I literally needed to make it like that. And although I wouldn't highly recommend ending a job, <laughs> having a student loan, living yeah. in another country, and having yeah. your employment visa connected to that job. But let's just say <laughs> the universe works in its own ways, and I was lucky enough to um, end up, well, at the time, I fell in love, actually, and I moved out to Ontario. And when I got out here, I went to some other practices, and I just decided to go for it. You know, mm-hmm. ignorance is bliss sometimes, and I you know, collected my pennies in a little satchel and I put together my plan and I opened a really small, tight practice here in my community. And I've been in it ever since 20 plus years. Well, in the same building, in the same space? No, not the same space. That that's a number of different. (laughs) That's the evolution, but the same town. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. And so uh, when you first opened, um, what, what are some of the things that you did at the beginning to get your name out there? And to Because yeah. when you start from zero, there are some people that are like plateaued or just trying to get their practice going. What did you do to kind of get that thing started in the first place? Yeah, I, um, I just knew that no matter what I did, I had to get really okay with being uncomfortable. I knew that people weren't going to, I mean, there wasn't any social media. Not that social media is really going to, in a giant way, build your practice. It's just one way that you can help yourself get out there. But I knew that I had to step outside the doors of my practice. And, um, you know, I missed the Yellow Pages ad that year. So I wasn't in there either. (laughs) So I'm dating myself by saying all this. But but the point (laughs) being is that I, between practice members, so I didn't have anybody. So by the time I finished painting my office and opening up the front door, I didn't really have anyone. And I knew I didn't have a big budget for putting a bunch of ads in the paper So I would block times where I'd be willing to see practice members. And I had a front desk person when I couldn't afford one. But I also knew that if I stood at the front desk, I couldn't be out there doing what I do best. So I, you know, I went to Staples and I Xeroxed some flyers and I was that annoying person who went door to door. I went door to door for, I'm going to say about a month. 
And it was, again, humbling. And just in case you're wondering, nobody wants to go door to door. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know anybody who's like, oh, please pick me. <laughs> and uh, not everybody likes you going door to door. I don't know if you've ever done that. <laughs> but it didn't matter because I did connect with a few people. And I, and, you know, I even saw people years later who came into my practice were like, oh, you probably don't remember this, but you knocked on my door. Six oh, years no ago. way. Yep. See, you still planted that seed. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's really it anyways. And I went around to the businesses. I sort of had residential on one side of my office and commercial on the other. Um, and I just knew that I didn't have to convince everybody. I just wanted to have an opportunity to put my face in front of some people. And once I had one practice member, I just did my very best to be the chiropractor that I could be at that time. And I encouraged people to bring in people they cared about. And I just, I, honestly, that's what you do. You just leverage who's already in there in a good way, providing yeah. amazing value um, and, you know, helping people refer other people, like communicating well and learning how to communicate and failing at communicating and learning how to communicate. <laughs> uh, and then I just used my written word initially because it was my easiest place for me to communicate. Uh -huh. I volunteered to write for a local magazine. Um, so once a month, I wrote for that magazine for eight years. Wow. And yeah. And again, they charged me just a little bit. I paid for a little ad. I wrote a column. And again, people just came in. So I always say to people, first, find your comfort zone. It has to be something. You can't just stand in your office and think people are going to come and you know put money on Facebook ads. You really, you, you find your people by being the person, right? Going out and letting your beacon shine a little bit, which means that you need to go stand in front of people. And when I had people who asked me to come speak, I always spoke. I never once canceled. If there was one person, I stood in front of that person and I tried not to look like an idiot. And, <laughs> <laughs> and many times I probably did, but you know, it's like anything, right? You're not a fantastic adjuster. And I, you know, I should probably apologize for some of the work I did early on in my career. Yeah. That's <laughs> why they call it practicing for so many years. I tease somebody. I'm like, I just been practicing for 20 years and I think I, I'm starting to figure it out. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, I even look back 10 years, but I mean, that's, that's okay. It's not about being perfect. It never is. Right. It's just about providing value to the people that are in front of you. And um, I, you know, that's it. I just was okay with being uncomfortable. In my case, I knew that if I didn't turn it around fast, I would be out of business. And, you know, there's nothing like that being a motivator. Um, right? I, like I wake up at night going, are the doors going to close? Are they going to take my stuff away? <laughs> it's yeah. true. And I, again, I might not suggest, you know, putting, putting it all in the line like that. But there is something about going all in on something right. and, and just knowing that you only have one way to get to the other side. So, you know, hard work will get you far in this world and it will definitely in your practice. I just think that it's really important when you're practicing that you, that you continually work on what's working for you, right? Like yeah. if I walked into your practice and you know, I'm like everybody else in the world, I, I read all about your practice and I know about the vitality shift and there, there are just so many things that you can really uh, admire about someone else's practice. At the end of the day though, your practice has to reflect you. Mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't work when you try and walk in and you be someone else. You know, I go to my practice in jeans and, you know, maybe I wear a nice shirt. And for years I used to wear like dress up clothes and I have like 50% kids in my practice. And then one day I was talking to a girlfriend who's in another profession and she wears jeans to practice every day. And she goes, I go, Oh, you're so lucky. You wear jeans every day. 
embarrassing to say. And she looks at me and she says, well, why don't you wear jeans every day? And honestly, I'd never really thought about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. You just thought you should. Yeah, I was just like wondering what I was emulating there. And that really made me think, who, like, what am I emulating all over the place? Like, how do I show up in my practice and how in alignment is it with me? And so when I looked around my practice, I just started looking at it from the level of the practice member. The best way for anyone to grow a practice is have it be a reflection of who you are. So have your hours be accessible to practice members. I live in a suburb, so I have to have commuting hours. It just makes sense. But at the same time, I try and make those as close to what works for me in this season of my life. You know, when my kids were young, my hours just slid a little bit this way. Now I'm, the kids are older, they slide a little bit that way. So, I mean, you have to have business sense, but it really is important to make your practice reflect who you are. I just think it's a very foundational thing that we don't talk enough about. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome back. We took a little bit of a break, but we're back, uh, coming to you every Wednesday with a new interview from around the world to help you get a little bit more inspired and help those chiropractors around the world crush the curse. I just wanted to give a little update. We have a special event for all those Australians that are listening to this podcast. We have what's called the Shift Unplugged. It will be June 1st uh, in Kingscliff, which is just outside of the Gold Coast. And it's on June 1st. And we just finished our one in Phoenix. It's called the Shift Unplugged. And we had such good feedback. So it's a small group of people. We want to make it intimate. We want to be able to custom the information to who comes to that event. And that's why we keep it to small numbers. So if you're interested in coming to the Shift Unplugged in just outside the Gold Coast, Australia, please go to www.trueconceptseminars.com. And we hope to see you there and enjoy the rest of the show. Now, and it's why we just had a program last weekend. And this, that's why this brings top of mind when we were working with some chiropractors. And we're talking about using, uh, you know, going from desperate, desperation energy um, and, and then changing it. So when it's not desperation, how, how do you still keep, um, keep going? Cause sometimes, uh, people will end up going through that yo-yo practice where they kind of mm. give her, get going, sabotage it. Then it tanks, gets back to desperation, gives her again, and then bobs up and down. Did you ever go through that? Or how did, how did you, cause you, <laughs> everybody smiled. I don't know what probably happened, but what were some of the things that you could do to learn how to get that momentum when it wasn't desperation? Yeah, I call it squatting and jumping. Like, you know, <laughs> totally. you, just, you squat down and you jump and hopefully you jump a little higher. I actually will tell you all these years later, to some degree, I still do it. Um, not to mean that I like intentionally sabotage myself, but we do have set points. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a way that your office function based on the procedures and the way that you run it right now. So you'll hit that ceiling and then it will you know, it'll fluctuate, fluctuate around there. And yeah. I know that when I, when I hit that, I reflect inwards because sometimes I'm the one that's doing that. Um, yeah. And then also, I also take a look at my practice. Like, you know, what are the things that stop the flow of my practice and make me more effective at what I do? One of the conversations I just had with my associate the other day is I'm like, do you know, you walk every one of your patients to the front desk? Like they know where they're going, right? Like you yeah. can be an awesome, loving person without hand holding them to the front. Right. They're, they're not going to like you more because we do that. I mean, we do a lot of things that stop our practice. One of the things I recognized was I, I used to not be big about getting people to lie down. You know, if I ask people to lie down, they're going to decompress their spine. They're going to settle their nervous system. When I come in and adjust them, it is going to be faster, but it's better for them. Totally. Yes. We're gonna, yeah. And so 
those are the types of things. That's how I got to see X number of practice members an hour to X number of practice members in a day. And yeah. the numbers are irrelevant. But the point being, if you want to be effective at what you do and not hit those roadblocks, it's just having that attitude of discipline about yourself. I, for me, one of my driving forces is to have a bigger impact mm-hmm. on the people around me, the community, you know, and feel like we're more part of the community that every year that goes by. So part of the, how you do that is not to necessarily work more hours. It's work smarter within your hours, right? Just be right. more impactful in what you do. So when I hit roadblocks, it's me. I look at me and yeah. then I, and then I ask my team cause they'll tell me exactly what it is. <laughs> totally. <yeah>. Damn people. <laughs> Those observers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, a, I have smart staff and I yeah. empower them to, to call me on it, you know, and I'll be honest with them. I mean, we're just a team. We're just, our, our mandate is to create bigger impact. So if we want to create bigger impact, we have to be honest with each other. Right. And, you know, just like I'm telling my associate, you don't have to walk your practice members. And why do we do the things we do? Is it to make a bigger impact with them or to have them like us more? Right. right? Like there's lots of times that we do things for our own, for ourselves, right? We're human. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's typically when we have a goal and we, consistently don't meet the goal we go back to the drawing table and we we just talk about the foundational stuff it usually we'll find stuff in there that's excellent that's excellent um now we talk about a little bit about stress and a little bit about burnout and that, that kind of goes with that squatting and jumping too sometimes because yeah. you can just let it roll and things slide off do you have any like kind of examples that you'd like to share about times that you might have burnt out and some of the you know the the insights that you had during that to, to kind of come out the other end yeah more yeah <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had actually a few bigger examples of when I've had burnout. The first one was three years in, and I t- kind of briefly talked about that. But yeah. um, I'm turning fifty this year. When I was forty, I had a big center, so it was thirty five hundred square feet. There was I can't remember like thirteen or fourteen practitioners. Wow! It, it was you know not just chiropractic. There was three chiros. Big, mostly driven by the chiropractic profession and what we did, but I had other people. Um, and I had that for seven years and it was fantastic. There was a talking about impact in your community, right? So, yeah, totally. Yeah. But here was the thing for it. There came a time in my life when um, I actually didn't grow my practice after a certain point because I was held back by all the admin stuff that I was doing on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if you like to do that, but it, um, you know, it came to the point where it wasn't reflective of where I was at that point in my life. 40 for me was all about simplicity. And it was, again, humbling because it's hard to almost deconstruct and unwind something that you've created. And it yeah. meant that I had to take myself out of that space and dissolve the center as it was uh, and do so in a way that was graceful in the community and not so ego driven. And I went and I opened up a thousand square foot space uh, that I own and there's three chiros and two massage therapists and three, three team members at the front. And this has been the evolution. So for the last 10 years, this is what we've done. Now I say it that way only because um, I was burnt out and Mm -hmm. I gave myself permission to make a different choice. And I also didn't feel like I needed to make excuses around it. I just knew it wasn't the right move for me anymore and I say to people all the time, it's okay to change your mind. Like it doesn't mean anything other than you're just shifting your trajectory because you're not the same person you were 10 years ago and 20 years ago. 
and it's totally okay, not, it's more than okay, it's expected that your practice shifts alongside with you. Um, and sometimes it's a minor shift and sometimes you miss the clues and you get burnt out and then you got to like pep yourself up. So that's what I did. I, you know, it wasn't easy for me and Lord knows I lost a lot of sleep and, uh, but coming out the other side, the first day in practice at my new space, and it was just mainly a chiropractic office, I, I couldn't have been happier, but I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how that was going to feel necessarily. That's interesting. So it sounds like you've had um, quite a few associates over the years. I've had a few associates. A lot of them have stuck with me over the years, but yeah. um, yes, I have had, I think I've had six, five or six associates over the years. Yes. So for any chiropractors out there that might be uh, thinking about getting an associate, what kind of advice would you have for them? Or, or what would you give advice to yourself uh, when you first took on an associate? <laughs> <laughs> um, my advice is bring on an associate because you need an associate, not because you want the money from an associate. Now, I have been paid very, very well from my associates over years. I have an associate who's been with me. She's in her second year. I have one that's been with me for 14 years. Um, and I have a very win-win situation with them. I'm not trying to um, strip them of their ability to make a great living. At the same time, it's an, it's an honor to practice in our practice. We have an incredible team and a great office. And um, it goes both ways. Yeah. So, But don't hire an associate because you want time off or because um, you can't make it in practice. You need to be a strong leader and you need to have your shit together to, to hire an associate and have it be positive. Otherwise you can't, you can't bring that person along. I mean, to me, having an associate is a gift you give back to the profession. Yes. I had people who carried me forward. I mean, Dave Fletcher was one of the very first people I ever met and he was so nice to me. He taught me so much. Um, he's an example of somebody. I was so blessed uh, for that and a few other chiros, I might say. Um, and that's exactly what I wanted to do for somebody else. So I made money off my associates. I still do. And it's a wonderful thing. And there's zero wrong with that, by the way. So I'm not saying it's about a money thing. I'm saying if that's your driving force, you're going you're gonna to take what you have and you're going to cut it in half. It's not, it doesn't work that well. So yes. I would love to know what your uh, you know, experience is with that. But I will say, having been an associate, yeah. that's helpful, right? Being totally. an associate is super helpful because it, it taught me what it feels like to be an associate. Um, I love, I mean, it's a lot of work having an associate. Uh -huh. Maybe not so much for me now because I have this person alongside me that has, has been incredible over the years. Right. Um, but it's definitely an investment to have an associate, shall 100%. we say. Yeah, and it does. It. And that's the other thing, too, is that that's, that's keeping that win-win value. But the, the, the value to, to be able to work into a practice that already has the systems and the setup and everything set and the staff are there and the staff are trained and all that stuff, that's an insane huge value. But, yeah, I found, too, it's the most important for us is to get the right person, too. Because if you, if you like working with them and you have the same philosophy and stuff, that makes it so much more easy. Yeah. Um, because well, it would that's be that it'd be tough. Well, that's congruency, right? Like the person yeah. has to, you don't have to be who you are. I mean, that's, right. don't do that. I mean, you're not going to find that person, but don't waste your time hiring somebody that deep in your gut, you know, isn't a good fit. Mm. Uh, I did that once. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. I> do <laughs> <that>. <laughs> now, now, 
a lot of people, once they're well, chiropractors, once they're in practice and they've been kind of, you know, um, seeing people, they've been called to do other stuff outside of uh, outside or extra, like into leadership. And I know um, you've been doing some stuff with some retreats. And I was just wondering if you could just maybe explain how that came about. And and it's kind of like a little side hustle, like that, that you like to do that, that it's totally congruent with the rest of your life and practice. And how did that kind of start? And, and maybe explain a little bit more about what that is. Yes. So I do what I call soul inspired retreats that didn't start as such. They started as, um, you know, two hour workshops that turned into all health stuff um, that turned into day long retreats around eat well, move well, think well concepts, turning your power on that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, my favorite topic. Um, And and then um, it turned into partnering up with people to do weekend retreats. I would do kind of like the health stuff, but it was interesting I found that as I did them and I talked to, I was going to call them practice members, but I talked to people who were at my retreats, I would find that the thing they were most cluing into was the philosophy that I had being a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So um, it just sort of evolved into this this thing where as as a doctor in my office, I think one of my gifts has been tapping in to what's going on behind what's going on, <laughs> if right. I could say it that way. Yeah, so totally. I feel like, you know, all this, all this years, all these years of, of working with individuals um, and having the conversations and just being aware and conscious to how people think and, and how I think and how it translates into the expression of our life, I feel like at some point I started to tap into my ability to be quite laser-like with people, and um, and it was my insights that kind of helped. So that's sort of a long way to say I took a leap of faith, and this is just me and my passion about being creative, and I decided that I wanted to frame it differently. And so now when I do retreats, whether it's weekend, day, or week-long ones, which I do, and I have one you know, that I do in other places because I love to travel. That's my other passion. That's how you um, blend all those values together. It's awesome. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm, like, I'm all about like everything should feel like a party. Yeah. Um, I don't mind, again, working hard, but if I'm going to go someplace, it needs to be as inspiring for me as it is for the person in front of me. I mean, again, it comes back to congruency. The yeah. food that you eat, the, the surroundings that you're in, the way you move your body, the activities that you do every day, the people you're standing beside – I mean, this is how you want to live your life all the time. And when you go on a retreat and you get the opportunity. Now, in my case, I do a lot of these retreats centered on some level around yoga because I think it's such a wonderful way to teach people that their life is within, even as an experiential thing, within the four corners of the mat. And it's helping people connect into who they are and expand outwards and ground themselves, like all very important concepts, I think. And I just love yoga. So again, bringing these things together. So I partnered together with a yoga instructor who I think is incredible, and we just started playing with it. So a year ago, we booked a week-long retreat down in Costa Rica, and I just decided that I would create a program that spoke to some of my strengths around helping the people connect in with what's important to them and helping people listen to uh, their intuition and their own knowing and giving people some habits and rituals that help them stay Stay really connected to their deep knowing. And then how do you design a life around these things that we know to be true, which by the way, fit together with a lot of the chiropractic principles, right? Yes. Yeah, we're, very, we're very honoring. And we, we think this is all just about adjusting people. And oh my gosh, is there anything better than adjusting people? 
But there's something really nice about spending some time delving into the other parts because that's one of the things that subluxates us the most, which is having a really destructive mentality around ourselves, you know, like not enjoying who we are and being very deprecating and feeling very disconnected from our messages. So this has been fun for me and I just been growing it. So I just, like all things, I just feel myself forward with it. And, and it's been, it's been great. So I've um, lined up a bunch of retreats for 2019 and I'll just see where it goes with time. That's cool. Where, where are some of the retreats going to be and, 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 uh, and how could some listeners get information on them? Okay. So you can go to my website, drlaurafoster.com. I have two, uh, well, two longer retreats coming up in April of 2019 this year. I have one in Costa Rica, um, which is beautiful Bodhi tree yoga resort, which is gorgeous. Uh, If you don't come to my retreat, you need to check that place out. And then (laughs) there's nothing better than the British Columbia Rockies. So I have one in Fernie, BC in August, which is a five-day retreat uh, at the Island Lake Lodge, which is three hours from Calgary. So we're going to stand up on the, you know, the big alpine mountain line, stay in uh, lodges. We're going to do some hiking and yoga and do the soul-inspired work that I talked about and just enjoy what that has to offer too. So those are the two of my longer retreats that I have coming up. That's totally cool. Now I get back always, we're getting close to the end. Uh, I always like my, uh, my Terminator question where if you could fly back to time, fly, fly back in time and, and talk to yourself back when you just graduated chiropractic school or when you're, you know, in your early twenties um, and you could almost like parent yourself or give your, give yourself some advice. What, what would you like to tell your younger self? Like slow down. <laughs> like I <laughs> honestly, I um some people I would say speed up. <laughs> right. But for me, it was, I was really quite hard on myself early on in the early days. Um, If you have a good work ethic, uh, then one of the things that can happen is you believe it all has to come together in really, really short order. And there is, there is an unfolding that has to happen. So, you know, I'm not saying don't work hard and I'm not saying don't work smart and I'm not saying to continuously improve upon yourself and, Uh, find your mentors and link arms with people and do all those things we're talking about. But at the end of the day, um, when you hit roadblocks or you stumble or you're having a difficult time in any part of growing your practice or being in the world while you're growing a practice, I would just say, um, give yourself some self-love around it. I, shame is a terrible motivator. It never motivates people. And I, I feel like I was exceptionally hard on myself in the early days. And, you know, I don't think it ever helped me. So I would, yeah, right? I don't, I really yeah. don't think it ever helped me. So. Thank goodness I was shameful of myself. That was awesome. No. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that definitely was not something I'd recommend. So, you know, I would just say that to people is that, you know, give yourself a break, extend the same love that you would extend someone else. I mean, when we listen to our colleagues and they're talking about something, we're so apt to kind of, you know, lift them up, right? Give right. them that sage advice that, you know, we should be giving ourselves. So I wish I gave myself some of the advice I gave other people. Excellent. Now in, in closing, I was like uh, my guests to uh, think of the last words of wisdom they'd like to share with. This is the, the breaking the underdog curse for chiropractors. So there's, there's some chiropractors that feel a little burnt out down there or beat up, or this may be a little bit plateaued or driving to work and just want a little bit of inspiration. And uh, we have chiropractors in Australia and UK, but a couple thousand people will listen to this episode and uh, what, what are the parting words of wisdom you'd like to lead with? I really feel like um, 
Chiropractic is such a gift and it is an incredible profession. And I know it can feel like we're being beaten down sometimes when we're in the trenches, but I would just, um, I would just really encourage people to find someone to mentor with, right? Like find someone who is showing up in life as a practitioner in a way that resonates with you and see how quickly you can get in the same room as that person and ask them for advice. Sometimes it's those small things that, um, that shine a light on us or create a spark for us that allow us to keep going forward. Cause it is, it's tricky. And there are times in practice where, you know, you're wondering what you're doing. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I enjoy practice, but I won't for a second tell somebody that there weren't times where I even wondered if I was doing the right thing. So just because you have moments, times, hours, seasons where you feel you're doing the wrong thing, it doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing, right? It just means that you maybe need to shift 5% and find somebody that you can work with that, you know, helps you get forward. I think it's really important. Mentorship is everything. That's excellent. Well, well, thank you so much, Dr. Laura, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the, the asking. Thank you. That's great. And so for everybody out there, um, I really, I wrote a couple notes down here about uh, finding out what do you need, um, being nice to yourself, finding a mentor. Um, and when you do those things, that helps you get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.